Welcome back, everyone, to the Chaos Ball Podcast. Thanks for tapping in. It's officially Christmas in June, according to the Angels marketing team, and the Mariners are officially bumming me out. It's uh, I'm getting more and more bummed out as the weeks go on, watching this team attempt to play baseball. And it's really unfortunate, because I really enjoy baseball. And I watch other teams, and I see how they're enjoying their baseball. And then I watch the Mariners, and I don't get a whole lot of enjoyment out of this squad right now. I really don't. Even in even in the wins this week, there there's just stuff that really pissed me off. But I'll get into Mariners baseball. I'm not gonna have a rant today. I'm just gonna you know, there's been some league news that's that's happened. Man, I'll go over some some league stuff. But first, of course, the baseball reference part of the week right off the bat. This week's Baseball Reference Player of the Week, if you recall, last week was uh, the players Glass and Pool of the Negro Leagues, uh, players who played in one game precisely in their entire career, and therefore their non-baseball reference as totally real human beings that existed. This player did exist, without a doubt, existed, didn't have a super illustrious career, however, an elite name. And uh, not from, like, the late 1800s. This was a, a pretty recent player, even even after I was born. This player played in the early 2000s. So he, he's, he was around back when maybe some of you were alive listening. I know, at least particularly, when I say this name, there might be one listener, my, my, my older brother. You know who you are. You're, you're a sicko. If you know who this guy is, I... Man... I don't know. I don't know where to go with this. I'm just going to say his name. His name's Tim Spooniebarger. I'll say it again. Tim Spooniebarger. I think it's Barger. I don't think it'd be Barger. It's a G. But Timothy Floyd Spooniebarger was a relief pitcher. Didn't have a huge career. Was actually pretty good in relief. And then stopped playing baseball, but he played, he came up with the Braves, he played two seasons with the Braves in 01 and 02, and then was on the Florida Marlins in 2003, which is maybe where you might know this guy from, if you recall, that's a team that went on to win the World Series, that was a that was a very fun team. I wish I, uh, on paper at least, I mean, I know it was pretty fun. I wish I was sentient enough to watch baseball at that time, but I unfortunately was not. But that team was fun, man. Josh Beckett, little, little D-train, like rookie Miguel Cabrera, who played like half the season for them that year. You got Pudge behind the dish, Juan Pierre out there, uh, and Tim Spooniebarger, of course. How could anyone forget Tim Spooniebarger, a relief pitcher, who made like 30 appearance, 33 games for them that year through 42 innings. He didn't actually do anything in the World Series. He didn't, he didn't make an appearance, unfortunately, but he was on this team, and so that means he has a ring to his name, which is pretty fun. Uh, Tim Spooniebarger, not a whole lot to his major league career, honestly. He he was a pretty good pitcher. He had a 2.25 ERA in his, his rookie season, a 2.63 ERA in 51 innings in his second season. His first season, he did only throw four innings, so that ERA is not, you know, super indicative of how he was uh, as a pitcher. Through 42 innings in 2003 with the the Florida Marlins with a 4.07 ERA, he seemed like he was a pretty decent, uh, pretty decent relief pitcher there for three years. Unfortunately, 
the reason he didn't pitch in that World Series, uh, it was after throwing his 33 games, he went on the disabled list, back when it was called the disabled list, uh, elbow tendonitis, and then he had a rehab assignment, and then he had to he had to get Tommy John surgery, miss the entire 04 season. Uh, he came back in 05, but while I don't think he threw an inning in, in the majors, but I think he was rehabbing, uh, and he he left the game again and learned he had to undergo Tommy John a second time. And then the Marlins released him. Uh, he, he didn't give up. He played until, uh, 2008. He signed with the Orioles and played in low a, but he became a free agent at the end of that season. And since then, obviously he has not made it back. Unfortunately two Tommy John's back then, especially two is an absolute death sentence for your career. One back then honestly was was a lot for a player to overcome, which is which is weird to think about. I mean, two decades ago, it's not that long ago in the grand scheme of things. But I mean, even a even like a decade ago, Tommy John was still like this this thing that oh you're gonna get you get it and man you just might you might not ever go back to throwing the same. You might ever never be the same pitcher. And now, like a season like. It, guys get Tommy John in high school and college and come back throwing harder sometimes. Uh, like I'm pretty sure like Shane McClanahan never threw that hard. And then he got, I think he got Tommy John in, in college and he came back throwing harder and look at him now. Like Tommy John is crazy, crazy different now than it was back then. So not a whole lot of career with Tim Spoonie Barger, an absolute elite name and a very fun fact uh, he plays, I don't know if it's still going. I did a lot of research on this and couldn't find anything, but apparently him and AJ Burnett, AJ Burnett famously again on that O3, uh, on that O3 team with uh, Spoonie Barger and also was out for essentially that whole season with Tommy John. So I think he, he's still, I pretty, she must have a world series ring cause he pitched a little bit for that team that year. I mean, he won a ring. Again, in 09 with the Yankees, which is probably what most people know him for. But came up with the Marlins and good career pitcher, A.J. Burnett. Maybe Spoonie Barger and, and A.J. Burnett bonded over over being out with Tommy John. And that's how they're buddies. But why am I saying this? He plays in a rock band with A.J. Burnett. It's called, uh, and I've seen, I think it's called Mad Inc. On Wikipedia, it says Matter Inc., but then on like baseball wiki, it said Mad Inc. And the group is named that because Burnett and Spoonie Barger both have a lot of tattoos, which way to go, guys. Really creative name there. I I did a lot of digging on the internet to try to find something about this, and I couldn't. And does that speak to my research skills? You know, my research skills are fine. I really couldn't find a thing that told me anything. I was trying to find their music. I found like a there's a PR firm in in California that's called Mad Inc. There's a rapper from somewhere in the country a while ago that was called that went by Mad Inc. So I don't know, but I, that was that's funny that him and AJ Burnett formed a rock band and called it Mad Inc. You know, with all their all their time not playing in '03, rehabbing from Tommy John, maybe they had a lot of time to to work on their craft outside of baseball. Their their rock band, and if you looked at both these guys. I mean, Tim Spooniebarger, you probably have to look up. AJ Burnett, I, I, you know, I see AJ Burnett in my head. I know what he looks like. Both of these guys look like they would have started a rock band and called it Mad Inc. Like, that's very, very, unsur like, not surprising at all. 
but that's Tim Spoonie Barger. That's the baseball reference player of the week. That one, you know, I, the the Mad Ink thing was an absolute gem of a find when I was looking up Tim Spoonie Barger. But really, I just found his name to be very hilarious on Baseball Reference. So shout out to you, Tim Spoonie Barger, World Series ring haver, probably. But that's it for this week's Baseball Reference Player of the Week. Some more, you know, a, a real player, a confirmed real player this week, which is a little different from last week's. But last week's was fun. Last week's I got down a little little rabbit hole of, of random Negro League players with, like, two at-bats on Baseball Reference. There's there's a decent amount of them on there, so maybe I'll do a whole, whole segment just exploring that option. But let's get to what's what's been happening. Besides the Mariners... Just absolutely harshing my mellow the past couple of weeks. Man, honestly, the whole season. Uh, what else is happening? You know, a sad, sad event that happened. DeGrom, Jacob DeGrom, is getting Tommy John surgery again. He has had it before. I don't have it in front of me, but I am guessing he had it legit one decade ago in 2013. It was something like that. He had it very, very early in his career. And he's getting it again, which stinks. Uh, it really stinks, not only for the Rangers, just for him, just for baseball, because baseball is better, like, regardless of how you feel about the Rangers, another division rival, if you're a Mariners fan or what have you, baseball is better when Jacob deGrom is pitching. Jacob deGrom is the consensus best pitcher in the world when he's on the mound. That's just been, you know, the issue the past five years is he can't really stay on the mound, but... Even like this year, he threw six starts with the Rangers, and they were great. He gave them six very good starts. So I, that could mean the difference in the division race, to be honest, when we look back on it. Uh, so, you know, probably not worth his, his contract of like something $40 million a year, but potentially could be back next season, late in the season. I don't know what the exact timeline is. Maybe, I don't know, man, maybe like... Maybe just take a couple ticks off your fastball next season. I'm not. I'm not one to just you know throw out advice for, for big league players because I don't know what I'm talking about. But every time he got hurt, he'd come back throwing gas. Still, he'd come back throwing 99, 100 with ease, which is crazy. And we that's a whole other thing of how he gets his velocity with being a relatively smaller pitcher. But he would always come back from injury throwing the same the same fastball, the same slider, basically never lost velocity, which is part of the reason why he kept being so good when he was on the mound. But maybe, I don't know, after this, maybe just take a couple ticks off the fastball and that might elongate the career a little bit. I mean, we're kind of seeing this with Syndergaard. Syndergaard hasn't purposely taken ticks off of his fastball or his other pitches. It's happening naturally, but but Noah Syndergaard's like, no, I demand to throw 100 miles an hour again. He's He's very much of that mindset. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, dude. Maybe just just stop throwing as hard. But no, that sucks. It sucks for DeGrom. It sucks for the Rangers. I mean, they have been, again, they, he, he threw six starts with them, but they've been cooking without him. Like, Dane Dunning has stepped up in a major way in his absence, which is not something I had on my 2023 bingo card. But here we are with the Rangers in first place, despite, yeah, despite DeGrom being out for so long. I mean, Ivaldi, we've talked about, I talked about it last week, the last couple of weeks about the Rangers. Ivaldi's been great. Like, yeah, Dane Dunning in his absence, great. The The bullpen is really the only thing that's been a little sporadic, and they'll, they'll, they'll address that probably in the next two months. But 
I, I'm not worried about their pitching staff, but one more injury that's a long enough injury, like an injury to Evaldi, an injury to like a John John Gray, an injury to Martin Perez, injury, like an injury to any of their rotation right now. And I can see it, you know, having some regression. I don't especially know what they, like, I think they, they got a couple pitchers in the wings. I mean, they, they're still, their offense is still just cooking. And I don't think anything could really take down their offense right now. Like, the thing about their bullpen is they've been okay. It's not a great bullpen, but they haven't really needed to be amazing to win this many games. Like, they really haven't. They, the offense has been destroying teams, so they really haven't been, like, in need of the bullpen being amazing. And looking at, like, if you look at their prospects, they have a lot of close-to-MLB-ready talent, but a lot of it is uh, position players. I mean, Jack Le- Jack Leiter, Jack Leiter, whatever, he's down in, in AA and pitching better, but I don't think they're ready to bring him up. They have Owen White down there, too, who might be closer to MLB-ready. Not that I really know that for sure. Like, yeah, like Brock Porter's too far away from the MLB right now to bring him up. He's only 20. So another injury to this to this rotation, and I can see things getting a little dicey. But all of them have been pretty healthy, and maybe they'll just continue to be healthy. But, uh, I mean, even if their pitching takes a hit, their offense has been so good that I don't even think it matters a whole lot. It's just what they could probably weather the storm if their pitchers get hurt, but they're not out for the season. I don't think they can afford another season-ending injury from any of their starting pitchers. And maybe if it happened in the next month or two, then they'd have to aggressively pursue at the deadline for a starter, not only relievers. And maybe they still will. Maybe they'll trade for just a a sixth-rotation guy, who a veteran who can step up if someone's hurt like they they might do that just to cover themselves and not have to rely on any any prospects down the stretch or in the playoffs uh to fill that like fifth starter role if another one gets hurt but that stinks for DeGrom so he's out for you know rest of the season a good portion of next season just just stinks for him I uh, especially the interview uh from like right kind of when it was announced it's just really sad like you can hear in his voice he's just it's just upset like he wants to be out there pitching he really wants to be out there pitching and he's and he can't be right now so it just stinks but that's the grom uh other news ellie de la cruz ellie de la cruz is up he's here and he's the greatest player on earth no i'm just kidding he's an alien he's an absolute alien i believe i talked about him a little bit on my nl central preview when i was highlighting the reds and all their middle infield or just infield, honestly, infield prospects that they have. Probably the deepest deepest infield organization in baseball right now, which is crazy to say, but it's wild because they have all these guys in the MLB, and then they still have the two big, big prospects that the Mariners traded to them in the Castillo deal. They still have Noel V. Marte down there in the minors, who has been playing pretty well, and then Edwin Arroyo, who has is, who is looked good too. I... I, they're going to have to trade some someone soon, right? Like, I think. I don't know. But Ellie De La Cruz is here. He's played a little third. He's played short one game. He In his first game, he drew a walk in his first at-bat. 
And then his next at bat, I think he hit 114 mile an hour double. His next game, he hit like a 116 mile an hour dinger off Syndergaard that almost went out of the Red Stadium and went like 460 feet. He's insane. He's like, he's a little shorter than O'Neill Cruz. But thinking about it, they're very similar. They're both just kind of they're both just kind of alien shortstops who maybe that's not their position long term, but they're both really fast. I think Ellie's fat. I think I think everything O'Neill Cruz is and projects to be, Ellie De La Cruz projects to be a little bit better in like everything, it seems. Because they're both guys who I think will strike out a lot. I think that's the biggest hole in his game right now, and I think we will see a lot of strikeouts from him this year, but when he hits a ball, it's going to get hit really hard, and he's going to be at first base immediately. He already has elite sprint speed. I think he clocked one today or yesterday that was 31.2 feet per second, which is elite, elite. Like 30-plus is elite, and that is crazy fast. He proclaimed himself the fastest man alive the other day. He's awesome. He's really young. And the Reds are kind of must-see TV right now. I, I find myself being very intrigued to turn on a Reds game. Even when not like one of their premier young pitchers is pitching, I I know I'll get to see Ellie De La Cruz or Matt McClain or even like Spencer Steer, another guy who's been hitting really well. Jonathan India. It's it's a fun infield. And like when Hunter Green is starting or they just called up a uh, pitcher, Andrew Abbott, who just made his first start the other day and... I, uh, if those guys are pitching for the Reds, I might throw the Reds game on. It's really fun to watch. So if you can watch some Ellie De La Cruz, I, I'm, I'm very confident. I talked about him in the preview cause he just looks like the prospect of all prospects. I just, it's crazy. I elite speed, elite power. I just think like the swing and miss is just the biggest hole, obviously. And part of it for both O'Neill Cruz and Ellie De La Cruz is, is because they're so big. Like when you're six five, and I think O'Neill Cruz is like six seven, the strike zone is huge. The strike zone's massive, and that's part of it. Part of it's just how they're built too. They swing hard, so that's why they hit the ball so hard. I mean, if they miss, they miss. But if they hit it, they well, we've seen what O'Neill Cruz can do, and I think Ellie's best position in the future with O'Neill Cruz as well might be third base, but we'll see. The, the Pirates don't have as much of a log jam in their infield as the Reds do, and I'm so excited to see in the next year what the Reds figure out with their infield situation. But I'm I'm it's awesome that we're getting to watch a, a young player like this just absolutely light it up. And he seems really cool and is awesome. And the NL Central has just cornered the market on gigantic shortstops named Cruz. They got O'Neal and Ellie. That's two gigantic lads playing shortstop in the same division that's pretty crazy and it also reminded me that O'Neill Cruz is hurt right now and I'm still sad about that but eh whatever so O'Neill Cruz and the Reds if you can turn on a Reds game watch the Reds very fun my last I was gonna say worldly topic I don't know if that's really correct are the Oakland A's a worldly topic right now are, are people across the pond talking about how John Fisher is a coward and what he's doing to this team's terrible. Maybe, maybe they are. No, but the Oakland A's in, in MLB news, the Oakland A's are on a heater. They've won five in a row. Don't let the A's get hot. That's what I'm saying. The A's just swept the Brewers. They won two of three from the Pirates. They're flying high. They have a four game set starting tomorrow against the Rays. 
And I'm so excited. You got the Rays, the the Goliath, the best team in baseball, going to Oakland to play in front of a crowd they're probably all too familiar playing against. I or four. I mean, the Rays. You know, they've gotten better crowds this year because they're good. But they're they're familiar with playing in a relatively empty stadium. I can I can tell you that much. But I'm excited. I'm excited to watch this because if the A's if the A's even split this series, that'd be tremendous. So they're on a five-game win streak right now. I I was hoping they'd go on a bigger win streak or play a little bit better because they took after losing like like double-digit games straight, which included that mopping of the by the Mariners. Then they get swept by the Astros, and then they have the Braves, and they win two of three from the Braves. And then they get swept by the Marlins, and then and now they've they're going on a five game win streak. They're streaky. They're a streaky team. Now this team is not. I mean, they're still really bad, but they're sneaking up on the Royals. The Royals have been skating along the entire year, being almost just as bad as the A's, but trying to be good, unlike the A's. And they're they're roughly in the same spot. The division is just much worse for them, so it looks a little bit better. But now that the A's are catching up to them, I think we're going to start shifting the conversation to, oh, this is really embarrassing for the Royals. And it is. I think the Royals should be better. I was higher on the Royals, but they're pretty pretty bad. By higher on the Royals, I meant like a little bit better than this. I still think I thought they were going to get last in the division, but this is just terrible. But these A's teams, I forgot who said it. These, these A's teams, this A's team, I forgot who said it on the Brewers, but they were like... You know, again, it's it's the classic situation like in the NBA when a team is tanking or even in the MLB when a team's just bad. The opposing players are always like, well, the, pl- the players aren't tanking. The players aren't playing bad on purpose. Like the A's are going out there every day. The manager, the coaches, the players, they're going out there every day and trying to win ball games to the chagrin of their owner who wants them to lose as much as possible. They're trying to win and it's admirable. And they actually they have a couple fun guys to watch. Like Estuary Ruiz might steal 80 bags this year. He's he's already hit 30. He's first in the league. I think it's him and Acuna. Uh, he he looks pretty fun in center field, and will likely steal 50 plus at least this year if he doesn't get hurt. He's on pace for like yeah 70, 80 steals, which is crazy. Ryan Noda is sneaky. One of the better, more composed players at the plate in MLB this year. Like 20, like, no, I don't know, about 20%. Just quite crazy walk rate. Gets on base like a classic, classic Moneyball A's player. Brent Rooker has been raking the whole year. I mean, they have some decent guys. They just got James Caprillian back, who was one of their better pitchers last year. I don't know. I It's just fun. It's fun to watch this team win because you know the ownership is is hating it. So shout out to the A's on a five-game win streak right now. So shout out to them, and don't let them get hot. And I will be watching this race series intently to see just what happens there. But unfortunately, now it's the point in the show where I have to talk about the Seattle Mariners. So, and also inform you all, I am a journalist. I'm a professional journalist. I was on the field on Tuesday in San Diego. No, I'm just kidding. Did not have a press pass. My my friend, shout out to you if you're listening. I don't know how many podcasts you listen to of mine, if any, but this is a test now 
because now if he doesn't text me that I said his name on the pod, I know he didn't listen. So Luke O'Rourke, shout out to you. And uh, I was going to go down there and get see a couple buds, including him, go to the Padres-Mariners game because he's a huge Padres fan, uh, and he gets, he gets tickets through work. And he got his tickets through work, but his boss got us on the field for batting practice, which was awesome. I've never done that before. Because uh, he knew, he knows someone who works in the organization. And then he also, from his college days, and he played like indie ball for a little bit, he knows the Mariners hitting coach. And he knew he knew two of the Mariners coaches, one hitting coach and one just kind of, I think, just like baseball coordinator is his title. But um, shout out to him as well. Got us on the field, hooked it up, watched BP on the field basically the whole time. Met Julio Rodriguez, got a picture with him. If you didn't see that on my Twitter and it was just really cool, it, especially in like one of the more beautiful ballparks in the country. Like it's Petco is fantastic. It's like the, you get the history of like Fenway and Wrigley, and I've been to both those ballparks. But Petco might be my favorite just because it's, it's beautiful. They got great food, great drinks, good vibes. Like the whole city's bought into the team too, which is cool. And that day, the Mariners came out on top. Uh, I just looked up the names of the coaches. Carson Vitale, major league coordinator, met him. He was cool. And then Tony Arnerick, Arnerick, Arnerich, uh, hitting coach. So that was cool. Got to meet those guys. And then obviously the you know the the highlight was was meeting Julio, which was uh, amazing and made my entire life. And I got a photo with him. His hands are huge, but they're also supple. He clearly moisturizes. That's what I can tell you. My other, my other journalist moment from that weekend, I met Brad Adam as well. I talked to Brad Adam for a couple of minutes. He he informed me that Mike Blowers is, is feeling better, feeling a lot better, looking to, to be back. This homestand, I think, which starts tomorrow, so I don't know if that means he's back tomorrow or that's what, that's what Brad said. I got the inside scoop for you. He said hopefully this homestand, so that is good, good, good to know. But the actual baseball that was played, we won the game too, which was sweet. Uh, it was a good game. Logan looked fantastic, and Julio hit an insane dinger, which I I told him before the game when I when he left. I was like, "Hey, nice to meet you, man. Like, have a good game." And then he goes and hits a dinger, and I think those two are, are correlated. I think he hit that one for me. Uh, I think he looked in the crowd. He gave me a little 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 smooch, a little air kiss in the crowd because he saw me for sure after he hit that home run. But no, he he hit the he hit the piss out of that ball. That was an absolute donger. Uh, Teo hit one, too, that just kept carrying out the center. Teo's been on fire this month. That was just an all-around good game. I saw, I witnessed the revival of Gary Sanchez, the ongoing revival of Gary Sanchez. He had he had a knock, and I forgot Gary Sanchez existed for a minute. But that was, that was a fun game. Then they go on to, to lose the next game handedly. George Kirby had an, an absolute howler of an outing, so they split in San Diego. Uh, and before I leave San Diego and just say how great it is to go see a game at that ballpark, I saw a Nick Marjavicious Padres jersey walking around. Someone was wearing that, walking around Petco. And I, I was so close to tapping that guy on the shoulder and asking him why. Do you... Like, do you know Nick Marjavicious somehow? Like, that's the only explanation I can I can foresee. Otherwise, why would you have that jersey? And that's not a slight to the player. It's just, what? <laughs> so interesting. But they split in San Diego, and it's like, well, they won the first game. 
They've really got just stomped in the second game, and Kirby really had a bad outing, very uncharacteristic. And then they go up to Anaheim. They go to the Los Angeles Angels, which I will continue to say Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim because just saying Los Angeles Angels is a lie. That is a big fat lie and false advertising. They're not in L.A. They're in Orange County in Anaheim. That's honestly not really even that close to L.A., and they should just go back to saying Anaheim Angels. And that's what they should do. But I was I was at the game on Friday and Saturday. I did not go to the game yesterday, if you're listening to this on Monday, the Sunday game, which, good, that one was, was a little tough. But they lost on Friday, and it was such a, such a frustrating, frustrating game. You, like, they just, they're just not playing like a winning baseball team. And they won on Saturday. And even that game made me mad. But the game on Friday, they win five or they lose five to four, and I, they really should have won that game because you have you have just mistakes, you have stuff that breaks in the wrong direction too. Like when when you're not playing good baseball, it seems like you don't get as many breaks. Like Eugenio had three like hundred plus mile an hour hits that ended up being outs. Like he had that back breaking one that went right to. Um, to it was either short or second base, just a liner and doubled up Cal on first base, which was neither Cal nor Gino's fault. I mean, he hit that so hard. And then, like you have, you have what happened in the third inning. It's it's two outs, and it's a routine ground ball to JP. He makes an error on a on a pretty easy easy play. So now you got a man on first, and Otani comes up, and Otani goes absolute yabo to center field. Which, side note, seeing Otani pitch and hit that home run in that game was pretty awesome. Not going to lie. He torched us all weekend. But see, I can, I can tell my kids that I saw Otani uh, throw, throw in the game and hit a home run. I think he even went like three for four. He had a great game at the plate. So I wasn't even super mad about that. Just witnessing him doing his thing on the field is pretty, pretty awesome. But that was frustrating because, I mean, if Otani goes yard next inning, so be it. Solo shot. Needless error makes it makes it a two-run shot. And then you have the sixth inning comes around, and you got Rendon gets hit by a pitch to start the inning, and Twitter informed me it wasn't an actual hit by pitch. It was very unclear in the stadium what actually happened, but it, I thought it was like a pitch clock violation that put him on, but it wasn't. Uh, Twitter said it hit his bat knob or something, and it wasn't really a real hit by pitch, so that's fun. Uh, then Luis, Luis Castillo, looking for his quality start, gets... Two quick pop-outs after that. And then who goes yard? Mickey fucking Moniac. Mickey Moniac? You see what he's doing on the Angels? I will not stand for this. I will not stand for Mickey Moniac putting it together on the Angels. Nothing is Mickey Moniac. The Angels just don't do this to players. This has been kind of the difference the past couple years of this team. I mean, obviously, the team building's tough. But they haven't had any, like, surprise good little breakout career moments like Mickey Moniak and now it's kind of happening like him like Matt Feist has looked like that this year I don't know I just couldn't believe Mickey Moniak just hit a home run especially off Luis Castillo and it it wasn't a no doubter to maybe after I watched it back it didn't look like it but I knew that thing was going off the bat I it was going right towards towards me in right field I knew it was gone so frustrating you get to the ninth in that game too and Mike Ford Shout out to Mike Ford. Year of Mike Ford, baby. He hits a leadoff home run in the ninth 
to make it a one-run game. And it's off Estevez, who has been pretty unhittable this year and has yet to blow a save in his 17 save chances. So Mike Ford gets one back. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, okay. All right. All right. You got, you got three more outs to, to work with here. Then Caballero gets a walk. And then I turn over to my buddy and I say, hey, he's going to steal second. I just know he is. He steals second. Then JP proceeds to pop out. And I get a little sad. But then I realize, oh, Julio's up and Ty is up. And I've convinced myself at this point that we're going to tie the game and then lose it in the bottom of the ninth on a walk-off. I've, I'm a Mariners fan. I'm realistic. I, I resigned myself to thinking that was absolutely what was going to happen. And so Julio comes up to bat. He gets a slider right down the dick, fouls it off. Then he takes strike three on a fastball, middle-middle, right in the middle of the zone. 9 mile on our fastball. This takes it for strike three, which is great. I didn't even realize it was right down the middle until I looked at the MLB at bat app and I saw where the pitch was and then I, I screamed out loud because that is just really frustrating. And then Ty, Ty France gets up. He gets a line drive into the gap, right center. And I was in right field and I know Caballero's scoring if it's down. So I know it's a tie game if it hits the ground. And since I was in right field and that wall was a little high, I saw Ty hit the line drive, but as it was descending, I couldn't see where the fielders were. I couldn't see where the ball was. So at that point, I was like, holy shit, we tied the game. But no, Mike Trout tracks it down. On Honestly, a, after watching it back, a relatively easy fly out. I thought it was, it was a better catch, but it wasn't. So they lose. Absolute pain. Just a really frustrating game all around. Like... Like, they got a little babipped, and they just played poor baseball. You can't have both. You're not going to win a game with both. And then, at least I saw the next day, I saw Brian Wu carve up the Angels. And, and, and it was great to see. He had that fat, he had all three of his, his main pitches working, that fastball slider changeup, uh, throwing that fastball a lot, but it was really working. And the only really mistake he made was giving up a dinger to Otani, on a pitch that was very much out of the strike zone. So all around, great outing for Brian Wu. Very encouraging to see that. And I really enjoyed watching him watching him pitch live. It's, it was cool. He, he works quick like all the other guys in the rotation and just has good arm action on that fastball. It's very fun to watch, and he really really zips it in there. But even that game, they won 6-2. Even that game was pretty frustrating because they score, they score six runs. They score six runs. But it was on 16 hits. And they left 10 on base in that game. Like, it just felt wanting for more runs. And part of it was because they got picked off multiple times. What are they doing? They just keep getting picked off. Ty got picked off again today in the first inning. They lead the league in getting picked off with 10. You got pick, you've gotten picked off 10 times? And, and it's June? And MLB made the rules so this year... There would be plus runs on the base path. Like, pitchers can only throw over twice. The base is bigger. There's a literal clock that tells you when a pitcher has to throw the ball. And you're leading the league in pickoffs. And it's not even just the pickoffs. They've been noticeably pretty terrible at running the bases this year. It's been it's been really, really frustrating. Ugh, just so, so brutal. I couldn't believe... It was like it was first and second with with Julio up, and 
and AJ Pollock gets picked off at second base. And I don't know if he was going to steal third or not, but it was two outs, two on with Julio up and you get picked off at second. Like that is just, they won the game, but that's losing baseball. That is losing baseball mentality. That it's that is just terrible. They've really been pissing me off on the base path recently. It's it's been so unfortunate to watch. And even when again, even when they win, this team just it doesn't feel good to watch this team right now. Unfortunately, it feels like vintage Mariners baseball, but with higher expectations, which just leads to more hope, which leads to more unhappiness. <laughs> and and that's just how it feels. And then today they get handedly beaten. Uh, I tweeted something about being confident in Logan to to get the get the rubber match today, and he goes out and gets just gets really dicked on. His fastball was was just getting hit around, and I should have never tweeted I was confident in anything. Mike Ford hit another home run, which is fun. Maybe Mike Ford might actually put up close to league average production in the DH spot, which would be an absolute plus for the team right now if he just keeps doing this. Like, if he ends the year, given they don't address the DH at all at the trade deadline, which who knows what they're going to do at this point. If he ends the year with like 10 to 15 home runs, I don't care what the batting average is. I don't care what the strikeouts are. I'll look at the WRC+, plus, OPS+. Plus. If he's close to 100 and has like 10 to 15 home runs, I'm fine with it. Like, it's it's already been pretty much an upgrade from the rest of the the DH stuff we've gotten. I mean, and it's it's not even that he's hitting like well. The slash line still looks pretty pretty poor right now, but at least he's he's hit a couple bombs. He's got he's, he has to get a little confidence, and then he'll start he'll start putting up Barry Bonds numbers. I'm I'm very confident in that. Super confident in that. But no, they they drop two or three to the Angels in, in Christmas in June was the Angels, like I said earlier, it was the Angels' promotion this this week. On Friday, I got an Angels uh, Christmas sweater-type shirt, which I don't know what to do with. Uh, I didn't get the slippers they handed out on Saturday, which I actually might have worn the slippers. I don't have a pair of slippers. But it was weird. They had Santa Claus throughout the first pitch. They had wreaths all over the place. They were playing Christmas music. I think I tweeted out a picture of uh, Eugenio like uh, on the on the big board. They... They were putting all the players in like winter clothes on the big board, and then also sometimes photoshopping them into like movie, like Christmas movie covers. Like they really went all out for Christmas in June, and it was also pretty cold this weekend down in, in SoCal. By cold in Southern California, I mean sixties and cloudy. That's cold down here, um, and it even rained a little bit last night, which was pretty funny. Or not last night, Saturday, which it felt appropriate for Christmas in June. Like that's kind of what the the weather is down here around Christmas time, anyway. But that was just weird because I didn't know that going in. And my friend and I walked into the game on Friday, and we were we were, I heard Christmas music, and I was like, oh, oh, what, what what's going on? And I realized like every every like the the people who were on the field, like the crew that does like all the promotions uh, and and sets up all the stuff that goes on in between innings, all the, the, the crew that does the steal a base and all the races and stuff, they're all dressed like elves. It, they really went all out for Christmas in June, which I guess more power to them. I just thought it was, I thought it was a little much for my liking, but they dropped two or three to the angels. The vibes are bad. The angels are, are 
now ahead of us in the division, but it was tough today. At least Mike Ford had a home run. Teoscar hit another home run today. He's been hitting really well this month. He's on one of his hot stretches, and we got to really savor these these hot streaks because his cold streaks are terrible. I think I tweeted a couple months ago. That's that's the experience with, with him. It seems like it's just the hot streaks are real hot, and the cold streaks are real cold. But he's on a hot streak right now. Uh, Logan got, yeah, he got roughed up. Uh, Flexen, Flexen might be cooked. He gave up a second home run to Zach Neto today. I still think Flexen's really valuable. Honestly, I think I'll bring it back to referencing out of the park baseball, which is, you know, it's a video game, but it's somewhat realistic. I always have an inning eater like that in the bullpen, whether it be a veteran arm who might be my sixth starter in an emergency or a young guy who you can't quite fit in the rotation, but you want to get him and will be reps. So you put him in the bullpen as a long guy. Like, when you're losing the, a game by a decent amount and you bring in an arm like that to just eat innings and save your actually more valuable bullpen guys, it that can bring you tremendous value. And that's why I always carry a guy like that when I'm managing a baseball team and out-of-the-park baseball. And it's good to save your bullpen arms. And if with the young guy thing, you can get him a lot of MLB reps with that. It's, it's a good idea. It would be nice if Flexen didn't have like a 7 ERA, but you know, what can you do? And what are you going to do about that? You know, it's it's fine. I I just, they're bumming me out, man. They're bumming me out. And I'm, I'm ah, it just sucks. And I'm now, I'm going to look at the standings now is what I'm going to do. Make myself even more sad. As it stands right now on June 11th, the Mariners are... Nine and a half back of the division lead. Actually, wait. Is this updated for this for today? I don't think it is. Hold on. It is not. Fangraphs. Okay, Fangraphs is not updated for the games today. MLB.com is. So right now the Mariners are 31 and 33. Ten games back right now. Uh, they are. The Angels are 36 and 31. Houston is 37 and 29. So the Angels are within a game and a half. Of the wild card, the Mariners are five back of the Astros for the wild card, which doesn't even seem that bad for how we've been playing. Uh, and then Texas is 41 and 23 at the top of the division. Don't look like slowing down very much. The A's are now 17 and 50. I mean, that's honestly way better. Again, the five-game win streak. They uh, they're five and five in their last 10, and they've brought their run differential down to only minus 194. It's sub 200 now. Throw a parade. Uh, so that is from MLB.com. I'm going. I'm going back to Fangraphs because they have the playoff odds, uh, and these playoff odds they're taking into account uh, up until uh, today's game. So they don't have today's games in here, but those wouldn't really shift the like one game doesn't shift the playoff odds right now a whole lot. So right now. The Seattle Mariners uh, have an 18.7% chance to make the playoffs, which in June is still not terrible. Like, they really are only 31 and 33. Like, one, like, two good weeks of baseball where you go, you win 70% of your games, and you're kind of, you're back in the mix. Like, they're not super far back at the wild card right now. The problem is, with the way the Rangers are playing, and with the way the Astros are looking good but not astro-y but still you know better than the Mariners the Angels are are healthy and looking like a better team than the Mariners right now in their own division it'll be hard to overcome but then you have the AL East to, to compete with for 
a wild card spot because you the Rays probably win the division, but then you got the Yankees, Jays, and Orioles. I don't. The Red Sox are are similar to the Mariners right now. They're they're just not. They're not playing amazing ball. Uh, I do honestly think the Mariners are better than the Red Sox. I will say that right now. Maybe by a little bit, but I think they're better. But those four teams, Orioles, Jays, Yankees, and Rays, all playing some good ball right now, especially the Rays. Obviously, the Yankees got Judge on the IL, but you probably have at least one wildcard team from that division, probably one from the AL West, either the Astros or Rangers. I, And then you have one more spot after that to give to... Um, maybe another AL East team. I like the Guardians or the Twins potentially if they both start playing better. I, it's just a tough road in the American League right now. That's what's making it a little sad. What's interesting too is the Astros have a seven and a half chance to win the World Series, and the Rangers only have a five point seven percent chance. I don't know about that. I, I the Astros are just as thin in their rotation as the Rangers are right now. Like, one one big injury to that rotation for them, and they're big-time buying at the deadline for a starter. And I think they still will. But that's interesting. Fangrass is giving the Astros more more chance to win the World Series right now. Interesting. Rangers are really good. And like, if the Mariners were in the Central, in the American League Central, they would be half a game back in third uh, of the Guardians because the Guardians are 31-34. and 34, Or a full game back. Uh, the Mariners are... Actually, no. Don't listen to me. This is Fangraphs again. Either way, the Mariners would be contending for the division lead in the Central right now, which is very tough. Like, the Angels would be first by a few games in the Central right now. No one, uh, no one in that division is, is, is having a winning record. And then you look at the NL, and the NL wildcard is way weaker than the AL wildcard. It really is. Uh, it's just tough. The American League is brutal this year, and that's what is making me a little bit more... Uh, negative about the Mariners' playoff chances as as it stands right now. They they need to turn it around. This is the time. June is a crucial month because, again, you have teams lining up for the trade deadline next month. You got teams who are still figuring out if they're buyers or sellers. You have some teams who are obviously sellers. You have some teams that are obviously buyers. And then you have a lot in the middle. And the Mariners have to figure out what they're going to do. Because they could honestly be minor, they could be sellers at the deadline if this month goes poorly, and they're this far out of the the wildcard contention. I don't see that happening, but it could. Like that's a very real possibility. So they really they got to turn around. They got to do something. They, they're. I would at least want them to play good ball. Like if they're losing and they're they're clearly giving it all and they're not really making mistakes and they're just losing, that would be a little bit better than what I've what we've been seeing. It, they, we've just been seeing sloppy base running, uh, just non-competitive at bats, leaving runners on. The pitching is is slacked off a bit. That's clearly not the issue with this team. The fact that the pitching has gotten criticism the past couple weeks, it should a little bit, just because they've you know they've given up a good amount of runs the past few weeks. But but the margins are so thin for that pitching staff with the amount of run support they've been getting. Like, the margins are razor thin. They've got to be really good. Like, the standards are really high for a team that has built a great staff and a not a very good not a very good lineup. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe Jerry's the first one to make a trade even pre-July. Who knows? They, they just got to turn it around this month. And the schedule does not get any easier because, I mean, if the Mariners were playing 
teams who weren't playoff contenders the rest of the season, they'd be fine. They've been good against those teams. But unfortunately, they're playing only playoff contenders basically the next couple months uh, just to run through. Like this week, they have the Marlins at home who are playing great baseball. They got the White Sox on the weekend who not playing great ball but are still still could definitely beat the Mariners. They have the Yankees again and then the Orioles then the Nationals. Hopefully they, they've sweeped that series, but they're not even playing terrible ball. Then they go to the Rays at the start of July. The Giants, Astros, Tigers are looking eh, not as bad as I thought. Twins, Blue Jays, Twins, D-backs, Red Sox. They're playing good teams. And they've been pretty bad against good playoff team or playoff contending teams. So something's got to give. Something's got to give here. So they get the Marlins for three games and then uh, off day Thursday and then the White Sox for three games this weekend. There's some wins in there. The Marlins are they're just winning games. Like On paper, you wouldn't think the Marlins are where they're at right now, but they've been playing good ball. They win run-run games. They have silently been like a top five offense in baseball the last month, at least by, by WRC plus standards they have. They've been really good, and they're just winning baseball games. Like, they're playing fine, but ultimately they're winning games, and winning fixes everything. Like Even if the Mariners were still playing sloppy ball, if they were winning, it st- I wouldn't be complaining as much because winning f- fixes everything in all sports. doesn't matter how you do it. Like the Marlins right now are 37 and 29, second in the NL East behind the Braves, only three and a half back of the Braves, and they have a minus 20 run differential. It's it's been a strange year. It's been a fun differentially kind of year for the Marlins, but they're they're a fun team to watch, and I'm excited to to get to watch them in Seattle because we don't usually see that very often. So that's cool. But that's it. That's it for the pod. That's it. Uh, hopefully the vibes get better. But right now it's just a, it's a sad state of affairs, playing some bad ball. But, uh, you know, wh- one good thing from this week at least, Julio has looked better at the plate. Teo's been on fire. And Brian Wu had a really good start against a, against a pretty good offense. So we'll take the positives where we can and go into this week against the Fish and the White Colored Sox and hopefully come out victorious in both series at home going into the following week but that's it for this show appreciate you listening this far if you haven't fulfilled your legal obligation of recommending the show to everyone you know via mass group text then i would recommend doing that right now my lawyers they're ruthless they'll find you if you don't do that so i would recommend doing it soon but no thank you thank you for listening and have a good rest of your week and of course go mariners